Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estella with a word in edgewise. Today is the 27th of January, signaling that we have 339 days awaiting us in this leap year of 2020. Last night in the southwest sky, about an hour after sunset, the young, slender crescent moon kept company with the dazzling planet Venus, traditionally the third brightest celestial object, which, on an intensity scale, has a Venus perennially vying for attention with the sun and the moon. Today, 264 years ago, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart was born in Salzburg, Austria, to Anna Maria Pertl Mozart and her husband Leopold, who at the time, biographer Ed Morrow tells us, were considered the most attractive couple in Salzburg. Leopold had shunned his family's career plans for him and instead had become a composer and violinist for the Archbishop of Salzburg. Anna and Leopold's marriage produced seven children, but only two survived childhood, Maria Anna, nicknamed Nanerl, and Wolfgang Amadeus, who soon evinced signs of musical genius by composing minuets before he turned five. Older sister Nanerl was also a prodigy, having mastered the clavier by age nine. She and Leopold and Wolfgang toured Europe giving concerts while Mother Anna remained home, waiting for the next newsy letter from her husband to arrive so that she could quickly send a replying letter. These exchanges helped the family remain close. Wolfgang was an affectionate child, and although his parents were strict, he was rarely punished. As Wolfgang's fame increased, so did the length of the tours, and during one of them, his mother Anna died. Per usual, age began wearing away the children's youthful novelty, and Wolfgang grew into a short, pale, ordinary-looking young man with ordinary appetites, and he had difficulty finding a patron. Hence, Wolfgang married happily, but had trouble supporting his wife, and he was thus reduced to cranking out hack pieces and teaching untalented students. At 35, he died from kidney disease, stemming from overwork and malnutrition. Nevertheless, Mozart left us many measures of divine music, including his masterpiece, The Requiem, before he died. As a happily married man, Mozart was fond of saying, Quote, a bachelor, in my opinion, is only half alive, close quote. Today is also the birthday of Lewis Carroll in 1832, of Donna Reed in 1921, of Troy Donahue in 1936, of Kate Wolfe in 1942, of Mikhail Baryshnikov in 1948, and of Bridget Fonda in 1964. This past Friday, 172 Two years ago, James W. Marshall discovered a gold nugget at Sutter's Mill in Northern California. That discovery led to the next year of the gold rush of 1849. This past Friday also marked the end of the 50th annual meeting of politicians, business leaders, academics, journalists, and representatives of civil society traveling to the Swiss ski resort of Davos. Thomas Mann immortalized Davos in his novel, The Magic Mountain. Some of us will also remember Mann writing The Confessions of Felix Krull, 
confidence man. The Guardian newspaper wryly alludes to the meeting as that place, quote, where billionaires tell millionaires how the middle classes should live their lives. The Guardian wonders as well whether the collective humanity at Davos really gets the existential threat of climate crisis, citing numerous examples of conflicting action, including Prince Charles flying in a private jet to Davos before switching to an electric car and subsequently giving the World Economic Forum the benefit of his wisdom on how to save the planet. One delegate, who had been kept waiting in the cold while Trump was being whisked from the conference center to his hotel, tried to count the number of cars in the president's motorcade and wasn't quite sure whether they were 37 or 39. Nonetheless, the World Economic Forum says most attendees arrived by train and that the Zorish group will plant 13,000 trees, one for every one of the bright blue bobble hats it has handed out for free. The Guardian says it, quote, will not stay quiet, pledging, we will continue to give global heating, wildlife extinction, and pollution the urgent attention and prominence they demand. The Guardian recognizes the climate emergency as the defining issue of our times. But as Mike Benners-Lee in his insightful work, There Is No Planet B, observes, climate change, also known as global warming in its previous parlance, is only the symptom of a much larger and perhaps ultimately intractable issue, one alluded to by Sigmund Freud a century ago. Quote, the liberty of the individual is no gift of civilization, close quote, meaning that the individual and society have always been at odds, the former desiring freedom and the latter desiring conformity. The mixture of those two has been perpetually toxic, and the ultimate difficulty has arisen. Coping to that infinite toxicity becomes less and less sustainable. From Oran Maine, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Here's to a fine late January Monday.